Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Sparking School Magic. I am here with former Vice President of the Magic Kingdom, Dan Cockrell. How are you this morning, Dan? Good, Lori. How are you all doing? How did you end the school year? Excellent. You know, the summer is the time to recharge and get connected with your creative juices to plan for the next year. So that's kind of a bit about our episode today, but we have a special guest that you want to introduce. Sure. Well, um, for all the listeners out there, Lori had sent me a note on this uh, week's topic and wanted to discuss uh, creativity and innovation. And although I came from uh, you know, a company that's highly creative and innovative, I know my limitations. And so I wanted to bring in an expert on the topic. So um, I'd like to uh, introduce Lee Kitchen. Lee and I worked together at Disney for uh, many years. And he worked in the creative side of the business with sales and marketing and helped me with a lot of projects. And so uh, we wanted to bring him in today to talk a little bit about the approaches you all can take with creativity and some of the experiences that he and I had at Disney and go from there. So I think he's going to be a great person to talk about this. So I'll kick it over to Lee and he can add any other details he wants. And then Laura, you can jump in and ask whatever you want. Sure. Good morning. And uh, just for the record, Dan, uh, you were one of the most creative operations VPs I ever worked with, just so you know. And I'm not just saying that. All right. Well, I'll make sure I slip you that $20 we talked about later. (laughs) Free coffee. Good morning, Lori. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. Thanks, Lee. You know, our our episode today focuses on a movement that is catching on across a lot of our schools, elementary schools, middle school, high school, and that is breeding a culture of creativity and innovation within our schools. You know, there's a a great movement where at early as elementary kindergarten level, we are having kids tinkering with maker spaces, STEM, science, technology, mathematics, even STEAM, including the arts integration, because we're finding that if girls, especially if they're not exposed to this at a very early age before eight, we're losing our girls who most likely want to become engineers. So, you know, I share a little bit about the that you are the creative catalyst from Disney. And I'd love to know what advice you have for us in schools and maybe share a little bit about your work that you've done. Oh, that's awesome. And the world definitely needs more engineers, right? I mean, we have a lot of problems ahead of us, so we have to solve them somehow. So thank you, Lori. I, I am, again, what they call an innovation catalyst. So uh, I worked 32 years at Disney. I actually started in operations, working at the Magic Kingdom and at Epcot and at Hollywood Studios. And from there, I went over to the marketing side. And for my last 10 years, I basically used uh, what a process called design thinking and creative problem solving to help people around the company solve challenges. And as creative as a company as Disney is known for, we have a lot of internal challenges of getting stuck in a rut and using the same things that we've, that we've used before and, and hanging on our successes from previous years. So we were created specifically to kind of stir that up. And the cool part about it is they taught us this process and we actually customized one for ourselves. We called it the toy box, which is really funny because we were able to all the Toy Story characters, which is great at working for Disney. You have characters in the background all the time. But the, the thing that I really enjoyed about it was going from, from place to place. And Disney has a lot of offices around the world and basically bringing people out of their creative shell. So there's a lot of stuff in business that basically says that certain people are creative and certain people aren't. And it's a big myth, right? Because we're, we're all creative. Somehow, right. the three of us got up this morning and we found something to wear and we might not have done our dry cleaning recently, right? So we all put something on, right? And when we went to college, somehow we figured out how to 
make top ramen taste really good, you know, right. six nights a week. <laughs> so we're all, we're all inherently creative. The thing that happens, though, is it kind of gets drilled out of us for, you know, our lives. And then when we get to our workplace, there are certain people that are creative, you know, the art director and the, uh, the creative designer. And then, you know, the other people in the organization might go, well, it's not in my title, so I'm, I'm not creative. So I spent my life at Disney basically dispelling that myth and saying, hey, we're all creative. And the fun part about it was when I would do sessions for the pricing folks and the accounting folks and the finance folks, they, at the end, they were like, I cannot believe I've been told my whole life that I'm not creative. I'm the most creative person in the organization. You know, it was, right. it was, it was really great. So I think that as you ask that question, the first thing I would say is making sure you, you cultivate that everybody is creative in some way is a perfect thing. And it was great at Disney seeing those people come out and actually kind of transform their day-to-day to make creativity more of a habit. So that would be one of the first advice I would say to you is how, what are kind of ways that you can make creativity and thinking differently, not just an epiphany, right? Right. So, so many times you, you think about creativity as this, this box and you bring it out of the box when you need it for a brainstorm and you put it on the table and we all, we all brainstorm around the table and then you put it back up. So let's think about ways to bring, bring it into the workplace and make it a more habitual and make thinking differently like a, a daily thing. Yeah, that's great advice. You know, I, I finished reading Daniel Coyle's book called The Culture Code. Within that book, there are a couple of chapters dedicated to creativity. And actually, one was spotlighting Pixar. And when Pixar joined, you know, the Walt Disney World Animation Studios. And, you know, you think about our students who are graduating from high school. Schools are mostly traditional structures, very... I would say, you know, we're, we're learning to become more creative and innovative because the world is a changing place. Kids that are graduating are getting jobs with Google and Apple and Zappos and, and Pixar is such a great, I think, example of how a company broke down walls to cause or force yeah. creativity to happen. And sometimes it's just the structure because I do believe you're right. Everybody is creative. It's though, how do you create that structure within a company or for me within a school to have people believe that they are creative? Because you're right, the art teacher might be creative, the musician might be creative, but I, I believe every child, every teacher, every administrator has that creativity inside of them. It's just, how do you foster that? So I think I want to hear more about the toy box because that <laughs> sounds fun. Well, one of the, <laughs> it sounds you know, you Pixar, that's a great example. One of, the, one of the other pieces of advice I would give you, and one of the things that Pixar does really well is collaborative creativity. So it's not just the artist that's creative. It's the finance guy. It's the merchandise guy. It's the operations person. You know, everybody has that inherent way to contribute and the thing is, is that my idea is, I, you know, I think my ideas are great, but my idea is only going to be better if I get a diverse opinion about it and we, we, all, we all build on it together. There is, there is a behavior that we, we like to, to share in both in Toybox and out in the design thinking and creative problem solving world. We call it greenhousing. And it's basically when we get together to create ideas, it's all, um, it's all divergent thinking, right? We're, instead of saying no because or coming up with a separate idea, yes, or we're all going to say yes and together, and we're going to build this idea to be the biggest possible idea that it can be. Now, we know we're not going to have schools on Mars for a while, or we're not going to have 
virtual beaming into our heads for a while. But you know what? There's principles of those big ideas that we can extract for our own use. So to limit yourself when you're creating ideas is really detrimental. But we do it every day. We don't even know it. You know, when you when you come up with an idea, most of the time your friends are like, ah, you know, they give you that look. And you're like, dude, why are you giving me that look? And it's because ideas sound really, really strange to people. And it's really uncomfortable. I'll give you a great example. Can you imagine? Can you imagine two people sitting around really late at night in a New York diner and they're really frustrated because they can't get a cab home and the one person says to the other, hey, what if everybody were a cab? And that person was like, dude, that's like the stupidest idea I've ever heard. And then you're like, well, is it? Right. <laughs> you know, that there goes Uber. Uber and Lyft <laughs> only changed the, the, changed the culture. It changed the way we do business. But that first time that it came out of somebody's mouth, it was like, no, that's really strange. So, right. so making sure that you support that that kind of, or that divergence is really important. And that's why I say, if you dedicate time to create ideas, let's keep the convergence or the reductive part of it out of that time. So we're just being what I call expansive or divergent. We're just being, we're just creating ideas. We're yes standing. We're creating a bunch. So you want to create a, you know, you want to, for every one idea you need, you need to create a hundred. Ask any photographer. Any right. good picture they have, they've taken 600 others pictures of it, right? So allow yourself time to make sure that you can create those ideas and then basically build on each other by saying yes. And collaboration is absolutely the key and also diverse collaboration. So one of the things I also tell uh, my clients when I work with is don't just invite the experts, right? We've all seen the challenge in our little tunnel vision. And if you invite other people from other parts of your organization who don't see your challenge every day, they're going to have some fresh way to think about it. So think about, I call them unbiased ideators. Think about those unbiased ideators that you can bring into the room that will really rock the, the session, right? They'll really take you to the next level. So right. that's a collaboration, definitely one of the first keys. Dan. Yeah, Lee, I think it's a great point. I just finished reading uh, The Medici Effect by Franz Johansson. I actually listened to it on audio and he did all the narration. I love his accent, the way his enthusiasm but he did make a point that people who are known as being creative create mass amounts of ideas. It's not someone that just, that lightning hits and they come in, they go, I have the idea. Yeah. They just crank out a high volume of ideas. So I think we all get worried that, um, to your point, to be expansive, when we're brainstorming, you want to think about everything. Don't put any rules on it. Just talk about the ideas because you're going to have a chance later to see if the, you have the technology or the process to make yeah. it work. And uh, you need to have a, a whole bunch of them. And I think that's a misconception by a lot of people that, you know, someone, you know, and, and it's, you know, this famous word by Thomas Edison was, you know, I invented, what, 99 ways how to not invent a light bulb, right? right. I mean, he got to the idea. <laughs> I, don't, I think people overlook the amount of work and, uh, and sort of equity sweat that goes into it before you actually land on something that's going to actually yeah. have value. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's hard for people to you know, keep that open mind also. Uh, people want to say, no, that won't work. You're right. And training people to say, yes, that might work. And let's collectively come together to figure out how. Yeah. I think that's the, really the, truly the story of Pixar. Let's figure out how this will work and putting people together in a structure that fosters that creativity with a change of behavior can yeah. really result in a positive outcome. Just from really from Lee and Dan, can you give an example of when you work together, you know, at Disney where an idea was birthed and you, you grew that idea? I've got a great example. And Dan, I think you'll, you'll like this one. So there was a time when 
this idea for 20 years was on the table and that was how can we make somebody stay in the castle right <laughs> and it was to everybody it was the most ridiculous thing and actually i remember a file folder and i'm holding my hands out about a foot and a half apart a file folder of reasons why we couldn't put a suite or a room of some kind in the castle right well we brought a team of diverse people together and dan you probably were involved in this early on, but we bought a group of diverse people together and we said, hey, let's not think of it. We've already got 20 years of research why we can't put a room in the castle. Let's think about how many ways we can do that. And it was really amazing seeing everybody come together because there were a lot of obstacles. You know, it's it's not ADA compliant. It's a small space. There's no real windows. You know, there were there was just countless barriers to getting it. But when you bring a bunch of diverse, smart people in a room, to say, let's figure out how we can. Let's forget how we can't. And right. within about two years, we had a, a suite in the castle and we were giving it away during um, this really great promotion and somebody could randomly win a night in Cinderella Castle. And it's still there and it's still great. Anything you would add to that, Dan? Yeah, well, to your point, I think there are there was physical barriers to doing it and certainly financial barriers because you know a lot of problems can be solved with money, not everything. But a lot can be solved with money. And, and the, the idea was whatever, however many millions it cost to put in an elevator and do all the things that had to be done for that, it never financially made any sense because you'd say, well, how much do we need to charge per night so someone to stay in that for it to make any kind of financial sense? And then we turned it on its head and said, you know what? How about if we gave it away for free? Well, that doesn't sound like you're going to make much more money. What if it was the one of the jewels in one of our marketing campaigns? Not only could people can't buy it, but 20 million people a year will have the opportunity to win it. And that became the reason it made financial sense was it became a national story and a really a dream that could come true. And so to your point is getting out of your normal thinking. And that's why these, I think to your point, Lee, these diverse partners that think differently than you do is often the only way to be creative because you just can't change the way you think about things. And you have to recognize that you're limited because you have certain life experiences and certain biases and certain assumptions. But when you can get other people in a room to don't think like you, the sky's the limit after that. Yeah, it's really great. Well, certainly that is my top dream to stay in Cinderella's castle. That's quite a... (laughs) quite a great example of, you know, pulling a group of people together to come up with an out-of-the-box idea. You know, when you think about Yellow Shoes or Disney culture in general, can you give us some, I guess, structures that schools could adopt? How do you, when you have a group of diverse stakeholders together thinking about an idea, what would be something you would do with this group? Because typically when you put a group together and you, whether the leader presents the idea, which is a no-no, it should come from the group, right? When that idea is born, what is a structure that maybe principals, superintendents, teachers could use with kids? So here's a, here's a couple of things that we used at Disney that worked really well. One was giving everybody a common language around creativity and innovation both from a tools and a behaviors perspective. I always like to say behaviors eat process for breakfast. So if we just established that when we say that we're being divergent, that that's what we're being, right? And we all agree that that's the rule for the day, that we're being divergent today. We're not thinking of how, we're we're gonna just think of how many, right? We're gonna gonna list how many ideas we're doing and we're gonna make a, a huge list of them. Another thing I would say is, is celebrating, I always say celebrate failure, and that is there are going to be some people that find it difficult to be expansive and to be 
uh, divergent. So if they happen to say no because, or they come up with some different idea, we're going to have them stand up and go, I have failed, and we're going <laughs> to applaud them and celebrate that failure because basically setting up an environment that is fun and conducive to ideas is the best way to do it. One of the things I recommend to my Disney groups is get outside your normal place. Now, a lot of people don't have that luxury. They don't have innovation labs like we did at Disney, or they don't have fancy rooms with beanbags and and couches. But think about ways that you can take your own spaces and dress them up a little bit for those areas using uh, color paper and, and Sharpies and putting posters on the wall, something like that. Something as simple as that can make a big difference. I'll give you a great example of that. I did a session for ABC News in New York, and it was about uh, basically teaching them creativity and innovation. And they gave us this awesome room that overlooks Central Park. It was one of the most beautiful rooms I'd ever brainstormed in. And what we did, first thing is we took out all of the tables out of the room because tables, in my in, in our creative opinion, basically put barriers between people. And when you're behind a table, you're, you know, you're a leader and you're judging ideas. So we always take out all the tables. And what we found out later was that room was used for bad things, right? Either mm. people got, you know, let go there or they had bad news there or whatever. So when people walked in this room and they saw that we had rearranged it, they were like, wow, this room is pretty awesome. They'd never noticed before because it was always a place where bad things may have happened kind of thing. But all we did was take the tables away put some colorful posters on the wall and it changed the environment and it changed the whole dynamic of that session. So think right. about think about your your day-to-day environment and moving people to a different area. It's in in Disney we have so many conference rooms that are, you know, that are so alike on each floor of the Team Disney building for example. So I always sure. encourage people just go to another building, you know, maybe you have access to uh, maybe you can take over the library for the 2 hours that it's closed for lunch or something like that. And just have a different environment because it makes a it makes a big difference when people get out of their their normal normal day to day. And also putting that structure around around the common language really helps. So everybody knows what it means when you say yes and. Everybody knows what it means to not say no because it's it's it makes a big difference. I find I use this behavior I call signaling, which is basically right at the start of the meeting. I say, hey guys, we are being divergent today, which means we're not going to say no because we're not going to say yes. Or if you do, we'll stand up and we'll say, I failed. No problem. I love that. Basically, you just it's signaling in advance. And it's really amazing when you ask adults to behave a certain way, they do, (laughs) no matter what level they are. And it's really just a polite ask. It's like, hey, this is what we're doing. We've invited you to do this, you know, to to do this one goal. And we'd love for you to be divergent today. And here are the rules of being divergent. And I'd say, and I've done over five, four or 500 brainstorms, and if you just ask them up front, they'll, they'll usually comply. Pretty cool. That's great. So change the venue, change the structure, put color on the wall. This reminds me of all that what we're doing in schools and building these open spaces for kids at every level, elementary, middle, and high school, kind of that Starbucks cafe feel, big, yep. tall cafe tables, light colors. We're all one-to-one devices. You know, kids know more about Google than maybe even Google yet (laughs) because they they are certainly creative in their own way. I like that. I like the advice too of upfronting it and saying, you know what, we're not going to say no because, and if you do, this is what we're, this will be our reaction collectively as a group. It reminds me of uh, what's that fish market out in Seattle when they sell a fish, right? Exactly. Fish go in and and the fish flies across. So those, those structures, changing the structure and changing the interaction, I think, 
helps to breed even more and foster more creativity. If I could add one more one thing, other. another thing that really helps a lot, and, and it's a stigma in, in the workplace when you say it, and I call it playfulness. Mm. So it's basically, and it's not necessarily just putting a foosball table in the middle of your office, which a lot of people do. And actually, if you go to Pixar, there's foosball tables, there's ping pong tables, there's dartboards. It's a free-for-all, and it's great. Right. But what I mean by that is just having a lighter touch, right? It's about let's create a fun environment because there's science behind when people when people aren't stressing out and they're not worried about their day-to-day and they're not worried about all their emails and their whole schedule, if you get them away from that and, and distract them just for a second, it opens up a special place in your brain that gets to all that stimulus that you already have, that you've collected throughout the years and creating a playful environment and doing playful things during a brainstorm session. It's really essential. That's why a lot of times when I do sessions, instead of having 20 people in a room shout out ideas to one person. I will break people up into smaller groups like it's their living room and I have them bring their chairs together and just have a conversation like we're sitting at a restaurant or we're sitting in your living room. And it makes for, not only does it help both introverts and extroverts contribute ideas because those sessions that you, the popcorn sessions I call them where you shout out ideas are really geared to extroverts. And extroverts are great and everything, but introverts have a lot of ideas and sometimes they just can't get them out. So creating those, the, the environments where people get together and it's more casual and it's a lot more fun. I do these things called energizers where every 30 minutes to an hour, I stand everybody up and we do something fun. And it can be as simple as just high-fiving people and telling everybody how great they are. I always stand people up. I'm like, hey, make sure you high-five some other person in this room and tell them what a great job they've done today or how much you enjoyed working with them. Simple as that. And everybody sits back down and, and we're laughing and we're having fun. So... One of those energizers, did I read something about selling invisible wallpaper? <laughs> yes, you did. Is that you? Or <laughs> yes. being no, a unicorn also, therapist? You'll, you'll find uh, my, my former boss, Duncan Wardle, he does a great version of that when he does <laughs> And yeah, that's a, that's a game that we call experts. And basically, it's, it really showcases how easy it is to be divergent and how easy it is to do that. Because basically, you give these parameters to a group of people, like three people, and you say one of them is an expert. So they are the preeminent expert at selling invisible wallpaper. And so you can't question them. You just have to take their expertise. And then the other people ask them a bunch of questions about how their day-to-day life is. And it's hilarious because people are super divergent at the time. And they don't realize how capable they are of being that divergent. So, yeah, we, I usually use selling invisible wallpaper, an elephant skydiving expert, and a relationship therapist for unicorns that work. Yeah, I... I think that's how I'm opening my year with my 100 staff members. Thanks for that one. <laughs> I love it. You're very welcome. I'm happy to send you the whole, uh, the whole thing on how to do that, too. <laughs> no problem. And I suggest actually starting every one of those meetings with something like that. Gets everybody laughing, and it gets them having fun right out of the gate. And I've done it with senior, senior executives. I've actually had the president of Disneyland in the room being an invisible wall person salesman. So <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I think that this the one other piece I would add is when you're being creative and you're pulling people together and doing this, make sure you're picking topics to be creative about that actually are going to make a difference in your organization. The goal isn't just to create and brainstorm on anything. It really should be something that's going to add value. And I'll give you a quick example. You know, Disney, we have what we call key drivers. What are the most important experiences that guests have when they come to Walt Disney World? So the number one key driver is attractions and, and shows, to see attractions and shows. And they need to see a certain amount of those. And that weights most heavily on their overall experience and their intent to return. So for example, 
uh, quick service, the quality of the food in our quick service fast food locations is probably number 18 on the key drivers list. So I could have a brainstorming and talk to the group about how can we make quick service food much better and more selection. But the reality is no matter how good I make it, it's going to make a very tiny difference in the overall experience of a guest. So I should just make sure the hot food's hot, cold food's cold, and they get it quick. That's the goal in quick service. So it doesn't mean it's not important, but you really need to hone in on the things that are really important to your customers, to your students, to your vendors, whatever that's going to look like. So solve problems that are meaningful. And if you have limited time, make sure you're going after the right ones because you can solve certain problems, but then everyone's going to look at you and say, okay, you solved it, but so what? It wasn't that big a deal anyway. So go after the stuff that makes a difference. Yep. I think that's part of the culture and knowing what's important to your group of people. I think it was Daniel Coyle, or it might have been Ed Catmull from Pixar, who said, give a mediocre idea to a great team and they make it better. Give a great idea to a mediocre team and they're just going to mess it up. So (laughs) with, with all of our work and creativity and innovation in schools, we're certainly held to uh, students at the end of our public school, you know, they, they're into uh, college and onto the workforce. It's important that kids are graduating with these kinds of skills because these are the jobs that kids will be facing now and even in the future. So the importance of creativity, being able to think divergently, think differently, collaborating, communicating, you know, it's all the four, five, six C's, right? The importance of adults and students being able to function in a, in a workplace environment. And I think that you've given us at the school some really golden nuggets to be able to take and apply. Making schools even more magical today with Lee Kitchen from Yellow Shoes at Disney, Dan Cockrell, former vice president of Magic Kingdom, and myself, Lori Storch. I encourage all of our listeners, if you have topics or comments on today's breeding creativity, you can voice message me on Anchor. Uh, You could find the podcast on Google Podcasts or Spotify. And certainly you can email dan at dancockrell.com. I want to thank you, Lee, for sharing all of your creative juices with us. It was really great. I I love your ideas. I look forward to hearing about your success. It's, It's going to be great. I can't wait. Thanks, Dan. And thank you so much once again for making this happen. Have a great one.